Mexico will not pay for the fucking wall. Strong and stable leadership. I was elected to represent the citizens of Pittsburgh, not Paris. Hitler didn't even sink to using chemical weapons. Brexit means Brexit. We're thinking about building the wall as a solar wall. You thought shite him. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. From this moment on, please do not ever call us a racist party. The Conservatives have no majority, no mandate, and no plan. Just who the hell do you think you people are? Put on a proper suit, do up your tie, and sing the national anthem. There isn't a magic money tree. Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of Everything Left. As always, I'm your host, Amy Walker, and joining me, we have a group of special guests from Stand Up Magazine, a brand new publication dedicated to giving young people in the UK a voice in politics. Together, we're going to be talking about the magazine and getting to know the team behind it. Hello, guys. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Before we delve into questions, would you guys like to introduce yourselves to our audience? Uh, I'm Hannah Parker. I'm the sub-editor and journalist for Stand Up Magazine. I'm Charlotte Lloyd. I'm um, head of design and journalist. I'm Alice Hewson, and I'm the features editor and also a journalist for Stand Up Magazine. Stand Up Magazine promotes itself as being a publication that aims to give young people in the UK a voice in politics. Can you tell us a little bit how this came into being and why the decision to make Stand Up Magazine was made? It actually came from a... um, So the night that uh, Trump came into power, we all came into uni the next day to do a magazine management uh, module and our tutor looked at us all, noticed that we'd pretty much all stayed up for the whole thing and realised that this was going to be a very pointless lesson. So he decided to take the whole three hours just to rant about how much we all hated Donald Trump and hated that decision. Um, And then the decision to kind of go from there, take our frustration and anger and turn it into something positive that that a lot of other young people can uh, relate to and um, sort of feel empowered by. And that's where kind of the idea came from. And then a few months later, we, uh, we decided to run with it and, and start going with kind of the idea of stand-up. Yeah. Um, initially, it was just going to be kind of a one-year one, because obviously we were published in June, beginning of June, so we are like, oh, well, it's one year on since Brexit, so we'll, we'll do an anniversary looking back at Brexit and what's happened and what that means politically for, you know, young people and, marginal, um, you know, people that tend to be marginalised, things like that. And then, obviously, over Easter, Theresa May called the general election, um, so that meant we kind of had to rejig, but I think actually in the end it's worked better it really worked. for us. Yeah, we sort of came out of that um, lecture feeling quite very angry, but sort of positive that we could do something and there was something that we could do as journalists and I think that's been key to the whole project all the way through mm-hmm. that we were doing something for young people but also for society and we were putting sort of young people's voices on the table. Um, in a climate that's really uncertain and everybody's quite confused and quite scared, I think, about the future, especially for young people. Um, so it's a good project at a good time yeah. as well, I think. And I think yeah. a lot of it was, a lot of us were kind of the armchair activists and kind of posting stuff on social media and wanting to make a difference and not really knowing what to do. And then we had that kind of meeting, kind of went, huh, we, we can actually do something here. We can do something positive. We can do something active. And give people a voice that the sort of the voice that we ourselves have been trying to find, I think. Yeah. 
have you found with the new Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn and the increase in his popularity that younger people have become more interested and more active in politics, where before it may have been seen as something that was more of an interest for an older generation? Do you think that more younger people are becoming aware of politics or it's something that was always there but never really had an outlet before? I think that uh, young people have... um been getting more and more angry at every decision that's gone against them. Uh, we've felt it, we've noticed it, we've seen it. Social media, you know, we spend a lot of time in the university where there's, there's just a general sense of being ignored. And I think for a long time, young people kind of just hoped that things would eventually change. And now so many decisions have gone against us in, in such in a dramatic way and in such a short space of time that I think young people have finally gone, do you know what, now it's down to us and we've got to start changing things. And I think that's where, you know, a lot a lot of young people, more young people came out to vote than, than in a, a long, long, long time for this general election. It was 75% of young people that came out this time. Um, and a lot of them came out and voted for Corbyn and completely changed what the polls were saying yeah. several weeks before. So mm. I think that it's getting to a time now where it's been simmering for a while and now young people are finally kind of realising that things aren't going to change unless we change it ourselves. And that's kind of, I think, where um, things are starting to um, drive forward from young people now. I think it just kind of got to the point where it was so bad that it, you know, it, it was enough... Like, obviously, it was a horrible thing that happened, you know, Trump and Brexit and everything. You know, it's awful for our generation. But I think it was that that kind of was like, you know what? They totally do not care about our generation. And they mock us and they belittle us and they patronise us. So what can we do? You know, I think it was that kind of the tipping point and just pushing it's people every, it's into action. I think it's just a combination of all the stuff. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. No, it's about sort of everybody, I think, coming together. And um, in terms of has it always been there? I think it has. I think young people have been interested, but they haven't necessarily been given the right platform to exercise that interest. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, and I think sort of this has just kind of been a turning point for young people in our generation to think, actually, you know, we have to do something. And sort of in previous years, young people in the media, there's a lot of negative coverage about young people having antisocial behaviour yeah. disorder, you know, sort of really negative stuff about young people. You very rarely read a positive story about young people in the media. And yeah. that's that's at the heart of our magazine. Yeah, and I think if you do, it tends to become, oh, look at them, they do yeah. actually know how to be young. Yeah, if it's positive, it's really patronising. Yeah. So it's kind of getting that balance right. It's, and, Carry on. Yeah. yeah. No, so I was just going to say, it's just kind of the whole like demonization of millennials to yeah. the point where there's like Chrome extensions to turn the word millennials into snake people in online articles, and you read them, it's like there's barely any like change in like, the article. Categorizing whole yeah. generation, but people do it all the time with various different generations. But I think more so with young people. And the, the word lazy gets branded around a so lot with lazy, our generation. Lazy, apathetic, selfish. Um, and and the, the, the thing is, our, when you look at, for example, um, how students are um, represented in the media, a lot of it comes down to they like to drink, 
they sleep a lot, they eat a lot of pizza. You never actually hear anyone talking about the achievements that students are, are, are making. Stereotypical weeks. Yeah. When you, when you look yeah. at students, they're actually they're going to university and getting a degree, and none of that is ever looked at. When, you, when no. students are talked about, they're only ever talked about for the kind of stereotypical party lifestyle, so and never actually for what they're achieving at university. Because I remember sort of quite recently, my little sister's going to university, and I've been going to university open days, and even at the unis, they've been saying, oh, well, you'll you want to be up all night, you'll want to be partying. And that's kind of the message that are drummed into 18-year-olds, that that's what they have to do. No, it's like, oh, you're not a proper fresher if you're not going out yeah. at least once a week and getting mortal. It's like, and then mm. people people who don't do that feel like they're different and that they don't fit in. It's really kind of a lot of mental health problems stem from people having to fit in. Yeah. And then when they don't, and when they don't fit in, yeah, when they don't fit into what society tells them they have to do, they just kind of... Rightly so, you know, just they can't deal with it and it gets really difficult. Um, Which, you know, we touch on a little bit in the first issue of the yeah. magazine yeah. Uh, with mental health and things. Because I think that's another thing is it's, you know, mental health is often, you know, really belittled and kind of glossed over a lot by media. And, you know, like the whole thing with, was it Anton Deck and when when he got checked into to rehab and people speculating on the reasons why. And it's just, it's totally... Um, unrealistic it's unfair you don't and know what's unhealthy. going on in other people's lives and no. it's hot it, you can't speculate you can't you can't know them because you're not them at the end of the yeah. day thank you that's a really good answer <laughs> when a little <laughs> we're very used to going a little bit off topic on this show but no your your points about university lifestyle being portrayed a certain way is is definitely a big thing i remember when i myself was looking at universities and i visited a few and majority of the information i was given there was this is what freshers week will be like this is how much drinks will cost there are some great clubs this is where they are and it seems like it's definitely something that is is drilled into people that students are mad party animals you know it's it's something that played a a factor in my decision not to go to uni in the end i mean when i was when i was in undergrad i didn't go out i didn't really i was very (laughs) i was was too poor you know like student loans didn't at all cover my like i ended up like 600 pounds in debt to pay my rent because that's how bad the student loans were for me so there's no way I could go out and get drunk. But, but I know people that are constantly complaining about being broke, but they're going out like four nights a week. Because it's, it's a pressure. Because they it's feel the pressure, they have to, yeah. they have to do it. It's, it's like, oh, you, you've got no life if you don't go out and get drunk. And so what if I don't want to drink, get drunk? Yeah. The, the thing is, I see I'm the opposite of you two guys and I was going out four nights a week and I, I did enjoy freshers and I did kind of go out and, and have a lot of fun and, and you know, get drunk with all, with all my flatmates and stuff. But part of the reason that I felt like I wanted to go out and get drunk a lot was because students have it really hard at the moment. Our, our money doesn't, we're constantly worrying about money and that's part of the reason why you end up going to the vodka bottle because you want to forget <laughs> yeah. about how much you're worrying about money and how, the lack of food that you've got in your house. The other problem is dodgy landlords, which isn't talked about enough. Oh, when God, you're yeah. when you're a student, you have to suffer from a lot of dodgy landlords, which is actually quite uh, scary at times, um, especially when you're living in a city that your parents aren't. So sometimes I'd go out just to get out of my house because I was worried that my landlord was going to come around and, and sexually sense. harass me or something. Um, and then the other issue is um, there's there's so much pressure on students to. Um, not only be 
doing all of the work that they should be doing and getting them in on deadlines and getting them in at a certain grade. But you're also meant to be looking for work experience. You're also meant to be doing a CV. You're also meant to begin on a week's placement on the same week that your deadlines are. It's it's that there's so much that goes off for a student, but the only thing that's being reported and the only thing that's kind of represented for a student is that drinking lifestyle. When I I enjoy the party lifestyle, but that wasn't what everything that my student life was about and to be honest part of the reason that I did enjoy that party lifestyle was to kind of get away from the problems that I faced as a student so in a way um it's there's a darker side I think to students that isn't being represented and I remember when I'd see relatives or whatever and the, the first question they'd ask is, where do I go to uni and do I go out a lot? And then they'd make fun of the fact that I'm a student and I probably don't do anything. And I used to think, hang on, I've literally just done about five all-nighters yeah. in the library trying to get this essay done to the standard that my tutor wants it, as well as sorting my CV out, as well as panicking about money and trying to find a part-time yeah. job, as well as looking for work experience. So I think that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a darker side to students that, that maybe isn't addressed. Mm. I mean, it's the whole, like, oh, students sleep a lot. Yeah, probably because they've just done, like, six all-nighters and they were being held together with caffeine and desperation. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm like, because I'm, I'm an awful procrastinator. Like, I'll, I'll ignore something completely until, like, the week before it's due. And then I just don't sleep for that week. And God knows what that's doing to my heart, like, living on, you know, caffeine, you know, energy drinks and things. And it's the whole thing of, oh, students eat all this crap. And it's, yeah, because it's cheap. Like, it's so expensive, because I tried this year to, you know, properly eat healthy and stuff, and it's so hard to actually, you know, eat fresh veg, because it goes off. Yeah. And, you know, your fridge might die, or, you you know, your electricity actually die- accidentally dies, because you're on a meter or whatever, and you don't realise till you get back, and all your frozen stuff's defrosted, and, you know, stuff like that, so... And definitely what you're saying about dodgy landlords because yeah. we've had the same landlord, didn't yeah. we? And so, he was such a creep. He'd just randomly turn up in the house, and you'd be like... Are you supposed to give us twenty four hours notice if you're coming round? Uh, and and you know it'd be just maybe me and one of the other girls in the house on our own with this like random forty year old guy just showing up in our house. You mentioned the magazine going to be covering mental health. Um, it's something that I myself personally am a big advocate for. I think there's not enough conversation given over to mental health, and it's a it's a very important area of healthcare that a lot of people overlook or have misconceptions about. But how how are you guys going to be tackling that kind of subject? Like, what areas are you going to be exploring? So I think mental health is a massive area, um, and I think that it's sort of in terms of and their mental health not many people know that they've got a mental health condition, firstly, that what they're, they're dealing with is actually mental health and other people deal with it too, but the other thing is that where they go to to get support. And we're not necessarily a mental health magazine, um, and we're not professionals at all, and we make that very, very clear yeah. that we can't solve your problems. <laughs> so um, you can't diagnose them. No, no. Um, but I think what we talk about is the issues in society that will affect your mental health. Um, yeah. Obviously, the key thing in the first issue is is Brexit and I remember going on social media and after Brexit young people were talking about how they were feeling and how this uncertainty of this political landscape was just um, there was even some girls they posted um, a song on them and it went viral Um, some girls down in Bristol um, I remember watching that and it was just all these feelings about how people feel and how this, this world that Sort of is quite confusing. I think when you're a young person, you're very confused and you don't know what you're going to do as a career. You don't know, you know, 
where you're going to sort of a lot of people in their 20s and 30s have to move back at home with their parents because they can't afford mm. rent on a house they can't afford a mortgage stress and it's just the stress of uncertainty being in the stage of our life where we've, we've been through school um we're in our 20s now we have to kind of decide actually on a future that we still that even in the political landscape we're in looks really uncertain we don't know what's going to happen and i think i felt that i needed to address um that it's okay to ask for help firstly yeah. and that also that these issues other people feel them too mm. and politics can increase anxiety and increase mm. depression as well and it's about knowing that others are there and I think for my mental health I do a lot of mental health writing sort of outside of stand-up as well and I think the key theme that runs through all of the things that I've written about is that other people mm. do experience this and it's about coming together as a community and working through things together so people feel included rather than excluded and that it's just them on their own. Mm. Look at me. No, I was just going to say, I think a lot of the problem is with being British is, you know, it's a cultural issue because, you know, it's the whole British stiff upper lip, you know, yeah. we'll all soldier on. And it's it's unhealthy, cause, you know. But I think, like, in the media, it's kind of starting to change. Like, yeah. mental health is in the media. There's um, a brilliant journalist called Bryony Gordon who set up... Um, mental health mates down in London it's spread like all over the country and she's written about um, OCD um, in her book Mad Girl and there's people like that who are have become famous because they've spoken about their mental mm. illness and people respect them and they've done brilliant things and I think there needs to be a lot more of that as well um, a lot more people speaking out and realising that it's actually okay um, we yeah. also include um, an article on body positivity and it's all about the yeah. um, uh, uh, some girls on Instagram and some guys as well. The guys are starting to kind of join in on it as well. It's kind of an Instagram movement of girls sort of um, taking pictures of themselves looking completely normal. So that's not sucking their stomachs in, not retouching them with apps that you can get that gets rid of your cellulite, you know, not um, holding um not you know your leg up in a certain way so it looks thinner it's it's all about um showing what the what the body genuinely normally looks like in a natural way and how beautiful that can be without all the touching up that media does and a lot of um the girls that i spoke to that are in the article have suffered from eating disorders in the past and they've come yeah. out of it and decided to completely embrace kind of having a a, a healthy and um natural body and a healthy outlook on life and it's fully about um th they believe that there's there's too much pressure on women to look a certain way and to look physically healthy but but there's but the problem is mental health completely gets forgotten about and so their mental states really suffered from trying to look or be physically healthy um and their whole kind of mindset is stop trying to put pressure on yourself to look a certain way and actually think about your mental state and, and make sure that you're kind of um, looking after yourself in that way as well and not just in a physical way. I think sort of just, just adding on to kind of what Hannah was saying really briefly is that I think as journalists, well, I certainly feel this, I feel that I've got a sense of power to talk about these issues and I've got the, I have a platform and I can give other people a platform yeah. and I just feel very kind of, like it's my not my responsibility, but I do have a great sense of power and duty. Yeah. I have a duty to do this because 
not everybody does. It's not always in the media, but mm. we do. We do have this kind of powerful duty that I feel obliged that I have to because mm. not yeah. if we There's don't. Not else, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many people do. I think that was kind of the idea behind stand up. Yeah. Is it's kind of well, no one's speaking out really for our generation. You know, there's like a couple of like BuzzFeed journalists because obviously that's the thing that a lot of people kind of don't really realise about BuzzFeed is it's not just like you know listicles about cat gifts. They do actually do some really like hard hitting investigative journalism as well. Mm-hmm. And they use, you know, the cat gifts and things to, to fund that investigative side. But other than that, as you know, there's been very few people speaking out for our generation on any of the issues we've discussed. And that was kind of why we wanted stand up was because, you know, well, who's gonna speak out for our generation? Well, we if, can. If if we don't, yeah. we will, you know, yeah. that kind of <laughs> You've spoken about the origin of stand-up coming from disappointment with the results of the American election and the Brexit vote. Um, Our show, we market ourselves quite clearly as being left-wing leaning. Is that something that you would say is is true about stand-up as well? Or do you try to remain neutral in politics? Or is it something that's that's actually hard to to do? When we first began the magazine, we kind of set out that um, we were going to try and stay non-biased and that very quickly just didn't work um we're all all very um similar minded in the sense that we all want what's right um we're kind of sick of the rich being looked after more than the poor we're sick of the vulnerable being made more vulnerable um and that's where it comes down to right so we'll support anyone that's standing up for the people that need standing up for um and and i mean at the moment with the tory and dup thing we can certainly say that we are not on the tory side (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I deliberately tried not to be like specifically pro or any or party. party. party yeah, we, we try to avoid the party political side of things. Because I think for a young person yeah. magazine, it's not about saying you must vote for these people or yeah. you must believe this, but it's about saying these are the facts. This is in all good journalism, really. Um, but I know a lot of people do have different sides of key towards. But this is this is the facts. This is the situation. You make your own mind up. We're just going to tell you the, tell you about these issues. And- I mean, to be honest, I'm pretty sure like a lot of the stuff in the political side of things actually like covering a lot of the labour kind of issues. But it was more because you know that that's what despite the fact that you know personally we don't necessarily all support labour, like some of us very proudly do. Um, they were the main party that oh, that's where all the biggest threat to the Tories, and that's where most mm-hmm. of the young people were. Yeah, because you know a lot of people like um. On Facebook, I was actually part of a group that's called like Tactical Voting for Europe and things. So I know a lot of people that maybe you know voted for a party they didn't necessarily stand for one hundred percent because they were the biggest chance of ousting, you know, the, the Conservatives. And I think that was the thing was we just we couldn't be pro-Tory because they just don't stand for any of our generation. Really, they're so out of touch with you know what the young and working class people need and believe and like they're just they're alienating themselves i think massively from the uk populace but especially with you know theresa may is just very in, not inhuman that's the wrong word but she's quite <laughs> yeah. good word she, she just doesn't have that like you know how corbyn is like trying to avoid like libel and things so, um <laughs> corbyn doesn't seem to have that kind of the human touch like you've just got to look at stuff yeah. like grenfell yeah. Where you know mm-hmm. he went and got pretty much mobbed by the crowds within five seconds of oh my god Jeremy Corbyn's here oh I was you know whereas Theresa May you know went and she didn't speak to any of the victims she just spoke to the fire service and it's just 
You only just have that, to look yeah. at his rally to realise. I mean, I was just about to say, me and yeah, Alice yeah. actually went to a, a Jeremy Corbyn, Corbyn rally in, in Gateshead, and there was, um, well, numbers changed as to who you spoke Thousands, to, but there was sorry. at least five. That five thousand was the was the minimum number that we heard. So and I heard ten thousand. Yeah, and then we also so. said that there was, you know, there was thousands of people, and it was raining, pouring it pouring down with rain. He wasn't meant to be on until six o'clock in the evening. We got there at about uh half four five um and we were it was already filling up an hour before he was meant to be on and it was raining for the whole time so people were standing out in the rain for two to three hours their uh, feet were killing them um you know there was brollies going up and and people just wow. dripping with rain everywhere you look and yet as soon as Kate corbin came on the the atmosphere was just um it was one of hope and it was one of mm. um sort of this sense of this guy could be the one that changed, not necessarily just him, but certainly him and his team could be the start of things changing. Whether that's the perfect scenario for the country right now, yeah. we couldn't say. But he's certainly um, coming across uh, almost the opposite of Theresa May. Mm. And I think that that's what really we needed right now. We needed someone that came in that was completely different to what we've seen before, because the kind of Blairist Labour was just Tory light. It, it almost um, it almost ruined the Labour Party for a little bit because people lost kind of uh, yeah they lost respect they lost hope they lost they lost trust in in the in yeah. the party um, and they just became a little bit too right. Um, yeah. But the the main thing with um, the main thing that we were aware of with stand up was as much as we have our own opinions and they are quite similar. If we were to make a magazine where we're telling young people who to vote for, we're basically being hypocritical and we're doing exactly what we're telling yeah. older generations off to do. So we almost wanted to say to young people, look, you have the um, power here to make your own decision. So here are the facts. Um, here's what each party is offering. Here's what um, you know has happened so far. You go off and make your own decision because... But you are don't. still, yeah, you're still mature enough and intelligent enough to go and make your own decision and everyone has their own mind and older people are constantly telling us off for not voting or telling, telling us, us who to, to vote for. Yeah. That it's almost, it would have almost been hypocritical for us to do exactly the same as that. I mean, we did try and persuade as many people to vote because that is the thing. It's like, it's all very well being, oh, we're not political, we don't try and do this. But, you know, at the end of the day, voting is the only way to make a real... Difference. I mean, yes, first past the post is very, very broken and benefits the majority parties, etc., etc. But you know, at the same time, it's the only way we're going to get any any change really in in politics is if people actually do turn up and, and vote. Yeah, I was just going to say because I, I work, I work as a youth worker, and I work with a lot of young people who tell me, not all of the young people, but some people say, "Oh, I don't understand politics," and a lot of it's down to teaching in schools. God, yeah, awful. People not being taught really basic stuff, um, which I'm quite shocked by. And so, a lot of my youth sessions are, are around sort of really basic pol political stuff that they need to know. And then when I talk to them further, and I say, "Oh," Um, but when they get to, you know, some of them are getting to 18 and sort of thinking about voting, or, are you going to vote? No, I, I, politics isn't for me. And I have these conversations um, mm. of that politics is everything in yeah. your life. And I think people have to understand it's not, it's, it's for everybody and it shouldn't be exclusive. It should be inclusive. And that politics affects everything that you do from getting on a bus to, you know, the price of things in shops and um, 
the houses you live in, it's everything. Yeah. And I think that the more people start to understand that, the more of a change I think we're going to see in society. Well, I think well. one of the one of the like things that crystallised is that so much for me with like the lack of information and stuff was in I think like first year or second year, but I did part journalism as part of my undergrad because so I did it with French. Um, and one of the girls in my class was on this journalism course, and she thought Boris Johnson was a football manager. Like this was back when he was, you know, it wasn't. You know, in cabinet or whatever. I think he was mayor. Oh, Jesus. He might have been mayor of, mayor of London at the time. But, you know, she thought the mayor of London was a football manager when she saw him. Like, she didn't know who he was. And, I mean, I know people that even in, like, sixth form and, and you know, first year of uni didn't know what left and right wing meant. And it's, like, if you don't even know what left wing and right wing mean, then how the heck are you supposed to make an educated decision about what's best for the country? But the issue is... For you? The, a lot of the reason why young people don't know these things is because one, they're not being taught; two, they've been completely shut out of politics; yeah. and three, they're um, like you were saying, Alice, they don't realise that politics is everything. This is the thing: young people are growing up, and all they're seeing is question time, which, yeah. quite frankly, is very boring. And a lot of the subjects mm. come up in, in question time aren't really things that are affecting young no. people. You know, you very, really rarely hear um, a genuine sort of in-depth conversation about how housing prices are going to go down so that young people yeah. can afford to actually move in, about a genuine discussion about how they're going to make driving more affordable because driving yeah. is ridiculous oh, right God, now. To even pass is ridiculously expensive. I mean, yeah. if you don't have help from your parents, then basically you can't drive. Quid. And then yeah. affording a and car is another yeah. thing. And, and, and then a car, your tax, your petrol, so driving is ridiculous. And discussions like that aren't happening in question time. So people aren't going to turn on and tune in and listen and, and watch those kinds of shows so young people have, have been shut out of politics yeah. so when they're growing up and almost in a way coming across ignorant about politics it's purely because they're not being taught they're not being shown at a young age I don't ever remember having any lessons at all about anything to do with politics in school there was there was nothing in, in my whole from 5 to 15 in that whole 10 years of, of school I don't think I ever had one lesson that was anything to do with politics so when I came out of college I decided to start making my own kind of mind up and going and researching myself but I I don't blame young people for not doing that and I mm. and I think that there there does need to be more lessons at a younger age so that mm. young people are coming out of school with at least some kind of knowledge about it um I think that things like um the suffragette movement needs to be taught to kids a hell of a lot more because things like that yeah. are so important and that would that shows women how um well, it shows everyone how privileged they are that in this country yeah. they are now allowed to vote. You don't have um, to fight they, for a really basic yeah, right. Yeah. You're not, they, you know, you're they, not they get their life. voice. And but also that comes that, that comes into the sense of um, the voting age as well needs to be taken down to 16 because I know certainly at 16 I was ready to vote. It's, there was a yeah. vote when I was 16, um, and unfortunately I would have voted Lib Dems. Uh, Nick yeah, Clegg, but you haven't but, said that. But I, I had I yeah. made that decision. I'd gone and researched. I'd sat up all night. I'd watched the, the, the debates at 16, and I knew who I wanted to vote for, and I didn't get my voice. And perhaps mm. if 16 and 17 year olds are allowed a voice because they are old enough at 16, you're old enough to be a parent, you're but you're not your you're not old enough yeah. to have the responsibility of just going and deciding what you want for your future so that was something that, that there was something that i saw on social media sort of saying um you're old enough to sleep with your mp but you can't vote for them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no i was actually very in high school because i um i actually went to a state grammar school but it was one of the very like rare old you know i it was it was a good school um 
And, you know, say what you will about grammar schools, I don't think I'd be here today at all if I hadn't gone there because they pushed me and they, they knew I was clever, so they knew they knew what I could do. They didn't let me off. Um, but we did have lessons on politics, and it did make such a difference. Like, I remember we used to actually have political debates in, uh, in form time and things during the 2010 general election, and we didn't think anything weird of it, but our form teacher had been teaching in comps and things before that, and he just kind of walked in and just gave us the weirdest look and then just kind of went, right, whatever, but they're not causing a disturbance. But, you know, we were arguing policies and things in year 11. And I remember, like, one of our teachers was, like, letting us look at, like, election maps. My maths teacher was, like, letting us look at election maps in class. So that was, we were definitely very, very lucky. But, you know, that was, you know, probably a thousand kids there that, that were taught proper I stuff got- and went on to be very interested and active in politics. I got my political education not from school but being part of a youth assembly and I feel quite privileged that I had the opportunity and I got involved in debates and I met local councillors. I went to like, I won this writing competition when I was 16 and I um, ended up going to Slovakia with four of my local councillors. (laughs) As you do. (laughs) Yeah, to to attend a conference actually on um, sort of including young people in decision making and I met loads of people from across Europe. that wouldn't happen if we weren't in the EU as well. No, but yeah. that is another point. But yeah, like so I was very lucky that I had those opportunities, but not everybody does. No. And certainly through school, I didn't, I wasn't taught politics. I had to do other things outside of school. Mm-hmm. So but um, then again, going back to what you're saying about being old enough to vote and having, you know, oh, I would have voted for the Lib Dems. I was the same. You know, probably at least half of our class were the same. Yeah. And I think if 16 year olds had been allowed to vote, I think it would have completely changed the result yeah. of that election. Because I reckon. I don't know that, you know, Lib Dems would have necessarily got a majority, but I definitely think it could have taken have been, some yeah, off the Tories, it would have been be more of an equal coalition, or they might have mm. gone, you know, with Labour if there had been more Labour votes. Because, you know, young people probably wouldn't have voted for the Tories, and it's the thing of, like, wait, so we're letting people that are 80 years old make decisions for 16-year-olds, but, you know, 80-year-olds aren't, you know, necessarily going to be making that much of a difference in society when they're 80 you know obviously they need to worry about pensions and stuff like that but it's okay for an 80 year old to make a decision for a 16 year old but it's not okay for a 16 year old to make a decision for you know that will affect them for the rest of their lives it just seems completely bizarre especially with a referendum as well like when you look at the way that those votes were broken down like and and, you know 16 year olds to vote in a scottish referendum so why weren't they allowed to vote in in for Brexit or against Brexit. So what would you say the main aim of stand-up is? Is it to make people aware of politics where they would ignore that before? Or is it to try and get people actually active and involved in making these these kind of political decisions for their future? Um, it's, it, it's 100%. We've said this from the beginning. It's all about empowering people. Giving them so um, we're not trying to make mind up about things we're not trying to um sort of focus on one thing over the other it's purely that we want to empower young people to show them that whatever they feel passionate about and whether they feel ignored whether they feel angry whether they feel frustrated at what's going on right now the world isn't fair for a lot of people and unfortunately young people are getting a lot of stick of it um but it's we wanted to show young people that rather than sitting and feeling angry about it like we did for so long. They can do we, we can all go out and do something. And if we all kind of stand together, 
and stand up if you like yeah. <laughs> um then we can, we can kind of start to to pressure um like put pressure on sort of mps and local councillors and it, we're, we're not saying that stand up is absolutely going to change the world I mean, but it would, it would be amazing yeah, we, we could just like, we are over. trying to like <laughs> we almost we just want to show young people that whatever they feel passionate about and whatever they're angry about and frustrated about stand up and do something because you really can and you'd be surprised how much it makes a difference all you have to do is look at the last general election that was predicted that the tories would win by at least 100 majority <laughs> 7 weeks before the before yeah. the actual vote the actual vote came in and it came down as a hung parliament i mean it's it was such a huge difference to what was expected mm-hmm. and a lot of that came down to young people so we just want to empower young people into believing that whatever they feel passionate about get out and do something about it because honestly it really will change things mm-hmm. And I mean, you just have to look at the, the the actual like the proportional representation side of things to see how much of a difference it actually did make. Because yes, the Conservatives won like, what three hundred and ten seats, but you actually look at the proportional representation side of it, and they got forty two percent of the vote, and Labour got forty percent. You know, there was only two percent of the votes actually three hundred nineteen seats, wasn't it? I can't remember exactly what it was, but you know, yeah. it it was it was down to two percent of the vote in the end. Between the Labour and, Con- and Labour and Conservatives, mm-hmm. with by percentage, so you know it just goes to show that it did make a hell of a lot of difference overall. And you just and looking at swings as well, and like a lot of the Tory seats, they'd swung like what six, seven, eight percent on yeah. a lot of them to Labour. Um, even the ones that you know they remained Conservative, there was a massive swing to Labour in a lot of those seats. And I think a lot of that was down to young people mm-hmm. going out and voting. And making difference and I think sort of just going on to that so the whole kind of aim for me and I don't know for everybody else for the magazine is just to kind of get people to talk yeah. to each other and I think there's so many issues in society like that we've covered that affect lots of people people don't talk about them people don't have discussions about really important issues like we've talked about there's an article actually that Hannah wrote about periods yeah and it's about kind of um the stigma of periods and Things like that people don't talk about, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if you want to talk about that for it's dirty. It's like, well, it's it's not really. It, it, it's a thing that happens. But things pretty that much ha- everyone with a vagina, you know, you can't really. Yeah, there's things that it. affect people, and I think it's and talking. Mis- but also- yeah, but the amount of misinformation about that as well is yeah. like guys thinking you can hold it in if you concentrate and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you wonder sometimes, but these are like, you know, CEOs of like companies and things that genuinely think that it's a decision that we choose to make ourselves about when to do it and stuff. It's like, what planet are you Not like going to the toilet. Yeah, God. And, 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 you know, the luxury tax on on stuff as well. Like that, that so needs to be. But yeah, it's sort of like, it's talking, but also listening is the other thing and listening to what other young people have to say to us and to each other as well. And then working together. Yeah, yeah give, um, giving people a voice. I yeah. think that was the main thing behind it, was it was empowering people and giving them a voice. And then, you know, being a way for people to go, wait, that person has said this. I think that too. And, you know, maybe getting together and creating movements to try and make a difference. Cause I, think, I mean, for example, yeah. like with um, the EU referendum, my my mum was, um, she she was completely on the fence. She didn't have the clue. Because there, was, there, was, there was so much... Um, misinformation there was there was so much coming at everyone from every angle and um she was almost kind of potentially leaning towards brexit at one point and me and my sister both had to sit down and tell her 
how this would actually affect us and her. And she um, she ended up voting Remain. And she told me after that the reason she voted Remain was because of the conversations that me and my sister had had with her. And if we hadn't had those conversations with her, because of all... And the thing is, I don't blame her for potentially so leaning towards Brexit points because there were so many people that, that honestly weren't sure what they were going to do because there were so many... Um, false facts and lies coming from from everywhere mm-hmm. that sometimes you have to go and do your own research so when me and my sister were able to sit down and talk to my mum about why we were voting remain and how that's going to affect hers and our lives she kind of suddenly realized actually this brexit isn't what i want for, for me or my kids and that's the difference families that don't sit and talk and there's so many people that don't sit and have conversations about stuff like this but like just a conversation not necessarily to change someone's mind, but just to show them things or explain things that potentially they don't understand can actually make them end up changing who they're going to vote for and it could help their lives as well as yours. I mean, so like Alice said, it is so important yes. to keep that conversation going. I mean, I think that was kind of one of the other ideas behind stand-up was that, that like, obviously we weren't around during Brexit, but, you know, if we had, I think we would have tried to really be like, look, these are the facts the you know, all these people saying these things, you know, doing, because there was so much ridiculous nonsense that went into the, the Leave campaign. Like, there was a thing about these are how many EU regulations are about pillows or something, I think, like adverts. But you actually look at the small print of those, and half of them were like to do with like pillow shaped cereal. And, you know, so that's the thing of kind of being sort of a bastion of succinct political information that doesn't, you know, we're not trying to push one particular agenda one way or the other, we're just trying to show people, look, this is what's happening, here are the facts, here are the facts in a clear, easy to understand way, make up your mind, rather than being, you know, have your opinion behind loads of stuff that at the end of the day doesn't really mean all that much. And and we'd like to think that we also kind of show people rather than just empowering people to kind of know what they know what what their passion is and what they want to change um we sort of try to show people how to do that as well so you know we talk about protests and rallies and you know the animal activism the uh, the, uh, sort of instagram body positivity stuff um grassroots yeah there's there's we, we talk about all the different ways that you can get involved in politics so even if it's um simply just that you get frustrated with how animals are treated or you get frustrated with um you know nobody listening to you in politics then that we kind of show how you can get out there and go and do something so that you almost you don't need we're not just giving you the facts and then you've still got to go and, and try and figure it all out we, we kind of we'd like to think that we're sort of giving you a guide giving you a guide of how they can stand up and go and go and make their own little change in the world yeah so if people want to get hold of stand-up, how can they go about doing that? So we're on Twitter uh, with at standupmag underscore. Um, we are on Instagram at the same, at standupmag underscore. And then has Facebook got Standupmag1. Right, so Facebook is at standupmag1. Um, so there, there, there are three social medias. Um, and you'll be able to message us on all of them. Um, and there is a link, I believe, to PayPal pin. Yes, on, on the Twitter. Yeah, both our Twitter and Facebook, there is um, a link pinned where you can go to buy the first issue of the magazine. Yes, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's kind of been an amazing journey. 
really, hasn't really it? Really exciting. Mm. So it's exhausting. No, but, oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> but no, the, the fact that, you know, we've kind of gone from November last year being so despondent and despairing, really, of just kind of a, what, 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 what are we, we going to do? Yeah. What, what can we do? And just, you know, I think a lot of us were very angry as well, of just how could this have happened, you know? Um, to, you know, what, six, seven months down the line and we're looking at, like, branding and merchandise opportunities and distribution and things that's kind of... And a beautiful little magazine that we've come yes. out with at the end that yeah. looks great. So uh, there's plenty of pictures of it on our Instagram yeah. if you want to have a little look. <laughs> yeah, um, and we may, we may be launching a digital issue as well in the coming months. There, there is yeah. more in the pipeline. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> uh, merchandise opportunities that will hopefully be going up on a Red Bull account relatively soon so people can buy stickers and, and mugs and bags and things if they want to um, with our designs on. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly not the end of stand-up, let's put it that way. Just the beginning. We totally, yeah, we're, we're, we're keeping it quiet, but yeah, we're totally going like, to form a political party, take over the UK, <laughs> we are. popular we're standing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Don't tell anyone. But yeah, no, we, we, it, it would be amazing to you know actually get a proper movement behind us and just try and get young people involved and empowered in in politics because you know if we could do that, I think it would make such a huge difference to the world of politics at the moment because at the moment it's old white people just telling everyone else what to do and you know that isn't the UK that we live in anymore. I think that's the biggest problem with politics today is that it's just so to represent everybody. hopelessly outdated, like Westminster, that it just doesn't represent the world anymore. Thank you for joining us for another episode. If you enjoyed it, you can follow us on Twitter by going to at underscore everything left, or you can like our Facebook page, Everything Left Podcast. We're now also on YouTube, so you can subscribe to our channel there, where we'll be uploading video versions of all of our episodes as they come out. You can also find us on all major podcasting services such as Podcast Addict, iTunes, Podbean and many others where you can subscribe so you never miss a new episode. I'd like to give a big thank you to the team from Stand Up for joining me for the episode. I look forward to seeing more of your great content in the future. Thank you guys. Great. Thank, thank, you. thank you very much. Goodbye. We'll see you all next time.